Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. And this afternoon, we are welcoming two special guests. We have writer Simon Allen and co-writer Toby Meekins and director of the movie now streaming on Netflix called Choose or Die. Guys, welcome to the show. How are you both doing? Great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's lovely to be here. It is really good. Thank you, John. It is, a, it is an <laughs> absolute pleasure to talk to you guys. So to clarify, Simon, uh, you penned the script. Toby, you helped write and direct Choose or Die. The movie released less than a month ago on Netflix. I believe it was April 15th is when it dropped on Netflix. So before we get started about talking the movie, I always love to hear how a studio like Netflix gets involved. I noticed that it's not, when you start watching the movie, it's not called a Netflix original, but it is exclusively streaming on Netflix. So what did you guys do? Did you guys pitch the script to Netflix and they loved it uh, and they decided to pick it up? Let's go with No, Tom. no, it's got, it's got a much longer gestation than that actually. We made a short for Fox, for, stu for Studio Fox, I think back in 2017, that played out, there was, they, they did a bunch of two minute shorts and they, they bought advertising slots going up to Halloween and it played out in a two minute slot in a Dodgers game at the World Series. And it was Skittles Presents and then they played our short for nine and a half. And it was a massive success. They kind of blew up online. And from that, the same team were like, oh, you know, this was amazing. It was a two minute short and it's had a bigger reach than most feature films. So should we try and put up, you know, a, a short form series together? And so Choose or Die, well, Cursor, as it was always known, um, was a Quibi show. And it wasn't, somebody said it was a Quibi reject the other day, which really bit me actually, because it wasn't, we got all the way through to Greenlight and we took it back off them just before they went bust. And we took it back off them and the people that originally bought it said uh we'll do it as a feature if you can do it for a certain amount of money so we went off and we made a british independent feature film with all that entails um in lockdown oh, and wow. came out the other side and then after the director's cut is when netflix came on board wow that is an amazing story and i have heard stories in the uk how difficult it is to secure funding for a film Toby, I mean, what experience have you had uh, in just dealing with the British government? Uh, every British filmmaker that I have spoken to has just told me nightmare stories on how difficult it is to secure financing. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, you know, I'm take, because the film's been successful, I'm taking meetings in the UK, but it's like, yeah, it's the American, you know, I'm going to have to make my next movie in the States. It's just... <laughs> You know, I, I don't think I've ever had a meeting with the BFI or anybody. I think I've met with Film 4 once or twice. But, yeah, we're not. It's, one, it's producer-led, it's not director-led over here. And two, they just, everybody says they're interested in doing genre film, but I'm not sure that's the actual truth of it, to be honest. I mean, I think I think that's the thing, John. It's This movie is an outlier, right, mm -hmm. for, for the British um, film industry. I mean, it, it was, it, as Toby said, it was started as something completely different to what it is now in terms of the format. It was a short form series. We had Ridley Scott as an exec producer, Jeffrey wow. Katzenberg really loved it. And it was going to be a thing on Quibi, fell apart. It was Toby who who kind of took those scripts that I'd written, which were 
you know, they were all like five minute episodes and so on and said, look, I think this could be a movie and sent it back to me. He kind of just put them all together, to be honest with you. But it was kind of like, okay, cool. You know, and he maybe needs a bit of this and a bit of that. And, and we kind of looked at it and uh, the financiers backed it. Um, but it wasn't, it's not really part of the kind of British establishment as such. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's kind of overperformed because there are a lot of things, there are a lot of ways this movie could have gone. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I thought as the writer, I thought that Toby, you know, did a great job. But I thought we'd kind of play two cinemas and maybe sell to a you know a smaller platform, which would have been wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then when Netflix bought it, this thing has you know we know it's been seen by tens of millions of people around the world. We know that it went number one in 40 countries. We know that it went top 10 in another 50 countries. It's pretty insane from where it started. You know, from particularly from where it fell apart and then came back together again. One wouldn't have predicted this outcome so it's been a really incredible success story really on any by any measure now simon just walk us through the feelings of just what you described tens of millions of viewers number one netflix huge studio as a writer walk us through what your feelings were to get those numbers to hear those numbers and just the absolute exhilaration that i'm assuming you must have felt do you want the honest answer? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, the honest, the honest answer. And I've done versions of this before with TV because I've written TV in Britain um, for a few years, uh, and I've written on shows that had re- nothing of this size, never anything. Even even shows that were doing really well, never this many people. Um, but on day one, I mean, it, it is, and, and this is Phoebe, the Toby's first kind of experience of a kind of longer form thing mm-hmm. in, in terms of you know. And day one, it was a rodeo. It was a roller coaster because, and the only thing you can do, I think it was it was a bank holiday weekend in the UK, and we got to kind of 10 a.m. and we start getting indicators about you know response and where it's charting, and that kind of progressed through the day. And you get to about 11:30 that day in the UK, and you just go, you know what? Let's just get some drinks. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. we just so honestly, we just sat out in the garden. It was a beautiful sunny day. I don't know what Toby was doing. He'll tell you, but I, we were talking like every twenty-five minutes. We would swap a message, or we would talk. And I, I was just like, just pass me another drink. I'll keep looking at you know. And it was, yeah. it was, and it was wonderful. And I think that when um, there were things that happened during the course of that first day that were lovely in terms of seeing the chart, uh, you know, the, the global chart, seeing it climb. And seeing it hold through that first week as well and climb in different territories through that first week, that was amazing. And it doesn't, I think there's a presumption that it happens to everything on Netflix and it doesn't. I mean, it happens to some stuff, but it Uh doesn't happen to everything and particularly movies. And I won't spoil anything, but I know there was a pitch went in with a very, um, I was talking to a friend who's producing a new show. They did a pitch the other day and the actor was on the pitch, big star. And made a great virtue of the fact that their movie got to number three, right? Uh, and, and and this was number one. I mean, it was number one yeah. in the US, UK, and you know, yeah. Um, but I think that there's there's something about it you, you can't. And Toby will talk about this more, I think, because you, you can't really process it after a certain point. You can't like particularly yeah. when something that something's that big and it's fourteen thousand tweets or something on the first day, and there's somebody saying, "I hate it. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing I've ever seen. I love it. Who are these guys? What the fuck, you know?" It's a kaleidoscope. It comes with the territory. It comes with the territory. So let's talk about (laughs) the movie itself. Uh, You know, the synopsis that is out there, uh, you can't summarize this movie in two or three sentences. It's just not possible. Uh, Netflix did the best they could. Uh, These kids get involved in a nightmare when they start messing around with this video game. Yeah, that is sort of the broad outline, but the movie is way more complicated. So, you know, 
who, who, Simon, was this your original idea, Cursor? You said it was originally called Cursor. Was Cursor your original idea? The only thing I had, the, and, and with Toby and I, we've made, and, and John, please check out our shorts. We, uh, the, the short Toby We're still very proud of our short films, yeah. Uh, floor nine and a half. It was Georgina Campbell. If you Google it, you'll find it. I think you're going to love it. It's two minutes of your life. I think you'll love it. Absolutely. Um, the, the, um, all I had, all I had was the idea because I uh, had a Commodore 64, a third hand Commodore 64 uh, in 1986 when I was 11 years old. I represent and um i it had been through various people and my parents uh well my um, parent foster parents at that point had, had given it to me and it, i had put games like paperboy on like little c60 bootleg tapes mm -hmm. there were copies sorry software houses um and and so we were looking to do this new thing and all i had was the idea of a, a, a text-based tape loading game called cursor with a curse in it that's eight bit and i just said to toby you know eight bit should be like a menace it should be like the monster Monster. you know the graphics should be monster but other than that i didn't have anything and toby was the one that said you've got to have this contemporary character to whom this doesn't mean jack shit right? yeah. it's not venerated and then the story is about that and from that you get all of it really you get the whole kind of idea of retro the idea of intergenerational conflict um that thing we, we talked about elsewhere about um the way that you know for, for people of our generation we're kind of bewildered when somebody doesn't like Goonies or Lost Boys or The Hitcher or, or oh, they yeah. say Halloween's boring, right? Someone told us Halloween was boring the other day. And you have to accept it because for them, it probably is. But for us, it's like, this is, this is the Holy Bible, man. Exactly. What are you talking about? And, it was, and so the movie was sort of really about that. And it was Toby that unlocked all of that. I, I, I have to tell you this story. My, my, my mate was on the tube and he was coming back from a, this band called Sleeper from, from the 90s here. And he's coming back from a Sleeper concert and he bumps into some kids on the tube and they started talking, they had a dog and they were like, oh, what's your dog called? And they were like, oh, my dog's called Gizmo. And they were like, oh, so you named your dog after Gremlins then, right? And they were like, what the fuck's Gremlins? <laughs> and that's the world we're living in now. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's why story. I love this movie because for the younger, newer generations today who have access to these amazing video games back in the 80s, I, when I had my Commodore 64, I'm going to share a story. I would get the, uh, the monthly magazine for the Commodore. I forgot what it's called. But in the back, it would have a code for you to write a game. That's what this is based on. And the cult of the dead yeah. cow, you know, the, the, the first original hacker kind of consortium, that's what they were, that, they were all part of that. And they had, they got into that and you kind of logged into them and, you know, they, they yeah. literally typed in the code to make your own shit. You exactly. Know? And there was, and I, I, I did it. I sat down, I, I, I mustered up the patience to write this like multi-page code to create this game. It was called Mystery at Marple Manor. It was a murder mystery like Clue, but it was just like a cursor. You are presented in text options. You are in so-and-so room. Do you do A or B? Okay. Now you guys took that concept and you turned it on its head and, you know, made it into a horror movie. When it came to our adding the horror elements, uh, into cursor choose or die uh did you guys grapple with it as writers how are we going to take something that is innocent and fun and nostalgic from our childhood and make it into something terrifying how did you guys uh, grapple with that uh it was really it was really it was really tricky actually and 
the guy the guy who designed the game or designed the font for the game he came on in the very beginning he came on in the before the original pitch before we went out and found even the people who took it to Quibi so there was a continuity there that really helped and we always talked about the game having a voice and being an antagonist um and how that would work and how we could use sound how we can make the sound work for that and then there was a bunch of stuff and we also knew that halfway through the film that if it continued to be a parser game then you'd just have a lot of people reading text on the screen constantly so that was really tricky but there's some there's some stuff in there that i'm i'm really pleased with like there's this there's a scene where um Ace's character Isaac is is type, is reading off the screen, and the the game is is printing up the words as he says them. And on this page, Simon wrote it, and I was like, it was great on the page, but I was like, this is never going to work. And he's like, trust me, trust me. It is. That's not a note you ever want to hear. But anyway, <laughs> this is never, never, never going to work. And he's like, trust me, trust me. It is, and it and it really does. Do you know what I mean? It's like if you shoot in the right way and it connects in the right way and you've got a good actor you can do that and you do rely on the actors doing that but also yeah a lot of it was a lot of it was on the on the first day of the shoot we shot Eddie Marsden first we shot the beginning of the film first which was really great and because he's so good and because we had this we had this kid come in who basically we programmed the game so that when Eddie typed keys, it would speak, it, it, the text would come up so he could interact with it. Mm-hmm. And once that worked, because because he came in and did it on the first day and it worked with him, it gave everybody the confidence to kind of carry on. Yeah. Now, this movie uh, is made perfectly set up for a sequel. There is a lot of question marks after a viewer sees this. There is a lot to be told in this story when you guys because netflix you already said did not come in until well after it was done uh when you guys made this it was that your intention to leave it with a sequel possibility which a lot of people do i mean that's uh, it was a finance it was, it was one of the one of the to get green light it was one of the prerequisites of the finance here to I mean, make it's, 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 a, it's a very binary uh, consideration mm. and it's really but like I'm going through the process right now and um, it's you know I well the thing I love about these the, the horror community and you know any any kind of fandom there are lots of potentially hazardous things about fandom I'm a fan myself I've been you know I I, I know what the issues are but the one thing I like is that 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 often they're creators too right often yeah. these people uh, you know, fans want to create things too, whether it's fan fiction or they actually want to make movies, they actually want to tell stories. Um, and it's really kind of disappointing and brutal, but honest to say that, you know, nine times out of 10, most of that, if you get to go on that journey, you get to the point where, and bear in mind when you create a script or a deck or a concept or whatever it is, a lot of people are going to like that and believe in it before it even begins, before it even starts yeah. to get anywhere. When it starts to get anywhere, even more people, and they've all got to agree, and they've all got to see it the same way, unless you're lucky enough to have the power of some kind of tyrant that can telekinetically manipulate everyone, which nobody has, right? Yeah. And um, uh, the, the, to get survive that process is really challenging, and within that, you, you come across these um, quite binary, quite basic, they're quite repetitive situations. One of them is you have to cast actors the, the the audience recognizes or financiers recognize or whatever which sound it's, it's not the drag it sounds like but it's a difficult thing to do at a time when so many things are being made there's so many opportunities for those actors and those guys are very hard to get because they have so much choice right oh, yeah and that's also a problem for new talent 
And then the other issue is whenever you create anything original, an original IP is the hardest thing to create on scale. And, and, and that's why this is such an unlikely story because it's original IP and it's been on Netflix. And, and you know, the game, the original IP game, actually, no matter what anyone tells you, the reality is it's shrinking. Everyone wants something they've seen. But I mean, I was talking to someone the other day, they're trying to make a TV series out of, out, out of this, out of the eight ball, right? <laughs> Which oh, yeah, I'll we'll take a crack at that. But out of a fucking eight ball? I mean, what are they going to, you know, like, okay. Um, but, you know, that's where we are. And and so, obviously, if you create original IP, uh, they want more of that IP. And so, even on a, a budget like this, and Toby alluded to the way the movie was made, you know, a lot of the, he talked about the text uh, thing with Aza, that scene. You know, that's also a budget scene, right? We were thinking of ways in which we could achieve something that felt like a special effect when we didn't really have special effects. Yeah. Most of our set pieces are really analog and physical and tangible because that's how we've made our short films. We've never had huge budgets. Um, but you're always under pressure to create franchise opportunities. And I hope that we did it in a, in a you know, the Toby is really strong on this stuff. He, he, if he feels like it's bullshit, he'll tell you. Uh, and I hope that we did it in a really elegant way, the way yeah. that it does, for those that have seen it with Kayla being the superhero and Isaac's character drawn her in his game and she's going to wield this power in a way that may deliver some kind of social justice, right? And we've Absolutely. got like, thoughts on where that goes. So, yeah. I totally understand <laughs> the budgetary you know, constraints, but I think that is one of the biggest pulls to this movie, the symbols, Okay the origins of those symbols that little twist at the ending uh when kayla uh talks to the person on the phone uh who we're not going to give away uh the the videotapes that they find of the of the person you know finding out what the game is from back in the 80s a lot of question and and for me that is one of the biggest elements in this recipe that made Choose or Die so great. Uh, so doing it initially because of budgetary constraints, do you guys have ideas if Netflix comes up to you and say, you know what, we want to red or green light you for a sequel. We want to take this on. We want to we make it a Netflix original. We want to, I mean, I'm sure you guys own the IP and everything and all that. Oh, no, so actually it is a Netflix original now, isn't it? They, 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 own, the, they own the IP. They oh, yeah. I, I, what John yeah, was they, referring to is the branding where it's, yeah. if it's a re, an originated thing, it's a Netflix original. We're a Netflix no, no, yeah. film. We're yeah. a Netflix film. Yeah. yeah they, oh, right. Okay, so they own the IP now. It, it's exclusively on Netflix and stay on it. It's going to stay on Netflix. It's not going to appear anywhere else. But uh, you know, uh, so when we were um, when we were developing for Quibi, obviously we were working to a much bigger budget, but also it was a it was a longer show. Do you know the way that they were doing it for Quibi? Actually, it was a bigger it was a bigger show than it was uh, a movie. And so we went all the way back. We know where the curse comes from. We know how it originated. We know what happened in the eighties. You know all of this kind of stuff. Um, we had some great, great set pieces in there that we just did a fantastic. I would love that. To is see. not in the shorts, though, is it? No. Um, okay. No. Yeah, no. There was, so, there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of scripts that exist that, that that have never been made that are episodes that were part of the season. But Toby's talking. I mean, Toby wrote a fantastic episode that would have been part of the show, which was a very early prequel episode about where the curse came from. And then we had a kind of you seen that show. Um, 
beautiful show with Lee Pace, uh, uh, Halt and Catch Fire. Have you seen that? About no, the, no, have uh, not. Check it out. It's about programmers. It's about software companies. And we wanted to do a kind of version of that in the 80s with the software house, like, you know, like Ocean or one of those, Ubisoft yeah. or one of those, you know, getting involved in the curse. And then um, we did um, we did joke the other day. We were talking to somebody else about, like, if you were going to do, if you're going to do a direct pickup after the movie, a fun thing might be that, you know, I, I, this may not happen so you know but we were talking toby and i were talking about um okay it's six months after the end of the movie and anyone who hasn't seen it that's watching this please you know tune out spoilers uh and uh the world's upside down okay ceos are jumping jumping off buildings yeah. and you know people in power bad things are happening to them they're committing suicide or they're getting involved in accidents or terrible things that are occurring to them and meanwhile the impoverished and the disadvantaged are becoming lucky they're getting chances they're they're getting wealth and capital and so on and the story starts, the keyhole to the story is a blogger or, uh, you know, a podcaster who's like, what the fuck? How did the world just flip on its head like in five seconds in the city? What, what, what happened to it? Did someone like rewrite the code and gets onto the kind of breadcrumb trail of where did this all come from? Where did it start and gets to Kayla or at least gets to the game? And then and maybe we thought the fun entry point to that might be like Robert England. Like, you know, where is he now? And, <laughs> Do you remember? Do you remember doing this job like in 1984, where you had to do it? What are you fucking doing here, kid? You know, if you start, that was the first 10 minutes. I would so fucking watch that movie. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of go meta with it and and do a story, a really subversive story about social justice and haves and have-nots and the interdependency between the two. But um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. Let's talk about Robert England. Uh, Robert England plays himself as a voice actor in this film. He's the star of the movie you have right behind your head there in the poster of nightmare you, on Elm before Street. toby tells you the awesome story and toby needs to do this because i i didn't meet robert england but you guys will love this right so this is here this is the only place in my house this can go because it's massive it's a lot bigger than it looks um then everybody got uh toby arranged it he talked to robert uh and our producer john so everybody got this i think it's a 16 sheet it's pretty big uh, of Nightmare on Elm Street, and Robert personalized it for everybody. I see a signature so, right there. So so yeah. this, so this, everybody said, which Freddy quote do you want him to use? So Toby will tell you what his is. Mine, I was like, this is God, right? I wanted that. So it says, this is God, Freddy K up there, and then it says, uh, for Simon's sweet dreams here. And I swear to God, I have stolen so much stuff from sets, right? My sets. I've got like <laughs> I've got swords from the Musketeers when I did that for the BBC. I've got stuff from a U-boat. I did a show called Daz Boot, a remake of that. But this is the coolest thing I've ever had from anything. Oh, I love yeah. it. And I, he's, I, he's the only one with the space to put it up as well. I haven't got space uh, in my well, house. It's the only fucking place it can go. So, yeah. That is so. beautiful. So, Toby, tell us the story. How did you get Robert England on board? So, so Robert England was, was, was literally always, we always, he was always written in there, you know? It was always like, oh, well, there can only be one person that does this. It's Robert England. And all the way through, we kept on saying, well, there can only be one person that does this. It's Robert England. And quite simply, we reached out and we didn't know what the fuck we were going to do if he didn't say yes. It's like, what? How Bruce, Campbell, Bruce Campbell, Bruce <laughs> Campbell. <laughs> yeah, that would have been, yeah. Um, and, and, and he said yes. And he came back and it was literally that. He came back and he said yes. And then I think it was a month before we shot. It was my kind of first, I don't even think we were greenlit, officially properly greenlit. And we did, and they, I mean, we did a, a record session. We did like a two hour record session with him. And he was fan, he was like, just fantastic. Oh know? yeah. You know, it, was amazing. Like, it was great to hear him and he, and he plays himself and he is what draws 
people to play the game Cursor because of uh, I love the conversation between Isaac and Kayla. Uh, uh, who's Robert England? What, what do you mean you don't know who Robert England <laughs> did you, is? Did you get, John, did you get the Rick and Morty? So Rick and Morty have Scary Terry, which is yeah. a parody. And it's uh, and they, they do that thing where they say, I think Rick says the word, God, he sure says the word bitch a lot, doesn't he, right? So we really <laughs> wanted to make sure it's like, help yourself, bitch, or whatever, you know. Um, I, I, so I'm glad you got that. I did. That was, that was awesome. L- let's talk about some of the other casting. Kayla, who is played by uh, Iola Evans, uh, this is the first movie I've seen her in. She was a great pick uh, for Kayla. Uh, she's the main character, the lead of the film. Now, when it came to casting, was it a mutual decision? You guys both had to agree on on the big characters like the lead, Kayla, or was it all Toby? No, Director. It kind of, it's, it's, always, it's, all, it's all me. We've got a really collaborative relationship. I mean, to say that I'm the co-writer is probably a little, a little strong, but we... We've worked. Together. We've known each other since college, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, we've known each other for a long time, and it, uh, and we lean on each uh, each other in different ways. But there's certain stuff that's like, this is Simon's, and there's certain stuff that this is mine. And it was like, you can only, you, you can't, like, everything has to be done by casting tape now. It's really, or it did while we were shooting it, because, uh, while we were in pre-production because of COVID. So you had to try and get used to used to people you know over zoom which is really difficult which is really difficult to do and so unless you kind of so it's really difficult to make it a shared process oh, yeah. you just have to go you kind of just have to go with your gut and i i always wanted somebody that was an unknown to play the part i thought, felt that it was kind of really really important which made the other parts kind of more more difficult to do to, to work out because obviously they had to have named actors well iola was a great pick my I, I love the transformation she the character goes through from the beginning of the film to the very end when it ends with that brilliant line with only the ones that deserve it and we're not going to tell people what that is in reference to uh she goes through a big transformation so toby when it came to finding Kayla, I mean, uh, yeah, Kayla, what was it about Iola that really stood out and said to you, this is going to be my Kayla? Uh, how natural she was, how, how utterly natural she, she, that like, she's, how grounded and natural her performances were. It's as sim- it simple as that, really. I mean, she really, she really lived it. It was tough for her that she actually, she really lived, lived that character. She went through it every oh. time that she had to go through it, you know, but also, she she completely understood the brief, which is at the beginning of the movie, you've got a character who has really no choice. And at the end of the movie, you've got a character who has like almost too much, mm-hmm. too much choice. She's been given this immense power. Exactly. And, and she understood where that had to go and how to play that. And she also understood, like, she also understood that not every scene in the movie is she like kind of bawling and screaming. Do you know what I mean? She a lot of it becomes internalized, mm-hmm. and I think that's really great. And I really love that she brought that to it a, a lot. Do you know what I mean? And you, you kind of drew on that. So so she be, she becomes tougher as the movie goes on, and you kind of feel that because she you know she doesn't kind of Sigourney Weaver in Alien, but she does. You can see you can see it going in on itself. You can see it going in on itself. And drawing in, drawing from her in a strength. And not only that, but her and Asa as Isaac really had good chemistry on the screen. You 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 knew that Isaac had a crush on her. Uh, he 
he he liked her he liked her in a romantic sense she you can't say she was not interested in that in him that way you can't say she was she was sort of indifferent she was dealing with the the family tragedy that had happened with you know a family member but you know they they were friends and he loved her she was not ready to be committing to any kind of relationship we don't know where they stand and then as the film progresses and we see what happens you know more tragedy unfolds uh what did you guys think uh did you guys do have uh asa and iola do a chemistry read together before finalizing the mm. the casting choices no i mean it, it didn't really it didn't really work like that because she actually came on quite late it took quite it took quite a while to find her so she came on quite late but we spent we spent some time before the shoot and we 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 had a lot of conversations about this uh, between the two of them, and it was this idea. There was this idea there that she knew that if she got into a relationship with Isaac, she, like Isaac is her one friend, and if she gets into a relationship with Isaac and it goes wrong, then her one friend is gone. Yeah, you know that's that that's the way. That's what we drew on when they played it. I think, and he was she was obviously not prepared to take that risk, and he obviously what he obviously was, which is a kind of a typical boyfriend, really. He would have done anything for her. Simon, I want to ask you this question. When it comes to uh, Ryan Gage, who played Lance, what would, he's a very mysterious character. We really don't know that much about him. What do you want the audience who watches Choose, it, Choose or Die or have watched it, what, what do you want him to maybe know that they have, may have not have picked up while watching the movie about Lance? Because he's a big question mark. He's a big question yeah, mark. Yeah, I mean, he's, um, he's again, from a writing perspective, he's one of those things you, you need sometimes, a character to connect things or jeopardize your protagonist or whatever. But um, funnily enough, Ryan I'd worked with before on The Musketeers. He played King Louis. He was mm. the Musketeers kind of boss. Um, so I knew him really, really well as a kind of funny guy. Um, and um, Toby sort of, um, he came through on a list. and It was amazing. I was like, oh, my God, it's Ryan. Um, the character really, I mean, the, the thinking, which I don't think punches through as strongly as, as I thought it would, but we knew this was, remember, this is a lockdown movie, so there were yeah. limits on kind of extras and things like that. And the way Toby designed that world, you're meant to kind of feel like the emptiness of Kayla's world is in itself like one of those binary uh, environments that you might have seen in a pretty, maybe in a 16-bit game, right? A little, mm -hmm. little 3D graphics and some vectors. And, you, and Ryan is very much like an NPC, right? Somebody to obstruct and jeopardize the protagonist. And it's meant to be that basic and that binary and that simple and that repetitive. It's meant to feel like she's trapped in a video game, but the world that she's in is stripped of, you know, Aza rep represents a, a form of kind of um, hope and joy in her life, but actually everywhere else it's kind of stripped and scrubbed oh, yeah. of opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, we both come from really, um, rough backgrounds. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a care system kid. Toby has his own story, which is extraordinary. And, you know, we know what that's like to have nothing and to feel like every choice you make, it doesn't really matter what you do. It's just worse, the same shit the next day. Um, and that cycle gets broken, has to usually be broken by something pretty dramatic happening, which is what happened to me. And um, in Kayla's case, something, you know, very dramatic. Um, and so I think that the, 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 the idea of the Ryan character really was that, that he, he, he operates in the story like an NPC in 16-bit you know one of those mm. games who kind of repeatedly pops up and provides those threats i think probably on reflection looking at it you know maybe we could have made that a bit clearer and punched uh, yeah those resonances yeah. But they're there if you want to look 
I think I think the thing that needed to punch more, if, if I'm going to be completely honest, we're about now him, criticizing ourselves, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of... <laughs> No, it's this idea that he'd been like she'd known like that. You know, they grew up on the in in the same projects. You know, he's a bit older than her, but he'd have been about for. I mean, it's there. It's there in the dialogue. Yeah, no, it's lovely. It punches yeah. through enough, which is like he's she's known him since she was like knee high to a grasshopper. Do you know what I mean? When he was like yeah. five, five years older. So, I'm not Toby's sure. much stronger than I am with actors. I'm terrible. So, like my first job, I was like on the set, and I was. The, my exec said, don't tell the actors what happens in season three. And I did it within like 20 minutes. I told them all what their arcs were and everything else. And she was like, what the fuck do you? And I'm the same with, with Ryan. And Ryan won't mind me telling you this story and Toby will find some music. But we, you know, we knew Ryan had very few scenes and they were very binary, very basic. And I know Ryan, you know, having worked with him, I know he's got a lot of gears. He can do a lot more stuff. So I, wrote, I was on a call with him and Toby and I was like, look, you know, Ryan, I think we should like get under the skin of this guy and we should have some scenes with him and we should just do this. Because I love, I just want to do that for actors because I know what it's like. And I, you know, and, and Toby, I could see Toby's face this kind of, look, you know, and Ryan's like, oh, well, that'd be lovely. And then by the time you talk it through and you realize what the function of that character is in the story, even Ryan was saying, don't you just need no. to hate my guts? Don't you just need to want me to do that? This horrible thing's going to happen. If you really like me and I headbutt the syringes, spoilers everyone, you know, it's going to ruin the entire thing. And I was like, well, I tried for you, Ryan. I tried for it. You know, it's that, like, I'm, yeah, I'm so sensitive. That was an awesome scene, by the way. Uh, I want to ask one final question before we go. Uh, Toby, uh, the. I want to know if this was done consciously or subconsciously. There is a social commentary in this film for people that are born in the projects and without any means, without any way, even if they are, you know, inspired to do something, to make something of themselves. Uh, the tone is that is uh, said multiple times throughout the film. You're not special. Uh, and then the other thing is, you're not getting in out of here. People here don't go anywhere. You're not going to amount to anything. Was that done consciously, subconsciously with you guys? It's completely consciously. I mean, that, like that it was, it was kind of the whole theme of the movie, mm -hmm. really. And this idea, this idea, this that 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 somehow, if you work hard, you know, you can work your way out of poverty, like like. You know, tell that to like four billion people yeah. on the planet. You know, what I mean, it's bullshit. It's so, kind yeah. of a myth. It's like a. It's like the rules of those basic video games, isn't it? That the the myth of social mobility. It almost feels like a piece of code or yeah. a line in one of those games. It's 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 not entirely true because no. you know. I mean, I, I can't speak about America because you know, but, oh, but in Britain, in in, in Britain, in Britain, Britain is defined power and opportunity. In Britain is, and particularly in our industry, is largely defined by people who've inherited it. Yeah. And 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 where they start, where you start in Britain, pretty much defines where you land nine times out of ten. It's no different. It's no yeah. different. Yeah. it's the yeah. same thing. It's the same thing. I want to thank you guys. Oh, go on, Toby. You were going to say no. That? I was just going to say the whole the, the, the kind of whole point is that, that that when Kayla realizes this, she understands this, and that's why that's why she goes at it full steam at the end. You know. It's because there's an understanding if she's if she's going to take this, she's got to take it all. It's that it's her only way out. Yeah, and it's curious if we do see a sequel. How has this change affected Kayla? I mean, is she going to be for the good? Is she not going to be for the good? It's a big question mark right now, and I'm dying to find out. I I would be surprised if we don't see a sequel. I you know, and I hope you guys get to do it again, write it, direct it, the whole nine yards because. You did brilliantly with the first thank one. You. I want to thank both of you for coming on here and sharing 
about this movie. Guys, if you have not watched it yet, the movie is streaming right now on Netflix. It's called Choose or Die. I wish I can give you a two or three sentence synopsis that would nicely summarize the film. It is just not possible. You're going to have to watch it. <laughs> Again, thank you to, to Toby Meekins, Simon Allen. Uh, any of you guys have any final thoughts you want to share before we go? Have a great evening and thank you Have very a much. great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you to both. Thank you to our audience, those who are tuning in live and those who will be watching this later on. On behalf of Toby, Simon, and myself, stay safe and stay walking. Bye, everybody.